Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Do you feel it? Do you feel the energy in the room, Rachel? No. no. Do you feel it? No, not at all. Oh, join me. Do what I'm doing. I'm doing a little flamenco. Do it with me, audience. This is my new thing. It's just a little sort of... You haven't described yet what you're doing. Oh, I think I have. A little flamingo? You can hear it in my voice. It's just arms up, just sort of grabbing the podcast juice out of the air and wringing it dry. This is wonderful. This is a podcast where we talk about stuff we're really into these days. Stuff like flamenco energy weaving. Griffin snapped before we started, and it really rubbed me the wrong way. Oh, I wasn't. It wasn't like I was snapping. Like a, it was like a here it goes. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I thought, uh, it, it, I thought it was like a begin the podcast. You go now. No, no, I would not. Hey, no, I would never. There are a, a small handful of reasons I would ever snap at you. One, if you got in a really good dig. If you got in a really good dig and you burnt me up good, I would. Oh, um, if I am trying to give you the tempo of the barbershop duet that we're doing, it's an unconventional size for a singing group. Uh huh. And then uh, if I'm trying to scare you. You'd snap at me? I can snap really loud. I can snap really loud, too. Let's do a contest. Audience, you write in. Text 444-24644 and let us know who snaps louder. Go. Well, you should announce. Just go. You should announce yourself. They'll know who's who. Oh, damn. That is really loud. Look at this song. Look how big your waves get, babe. I, I, I told you I can snap. Daggum, daggum. Uh-huh. <sighs> is this the intro or do you think we should do something? <laughs> well, maybe we can salvage it. Uh, do you have any small wonders? I like that I get to go first because then I can say Killing Eve. Ah oh, man, yeah. We're, we're real late to this party, um, yeah. but we're glad we came. We just watched the season one finale. We were extremely late to this party, but boy, howdy. What a, uh, what a tense one. Turns out, really good show. Turns out, good show. Nobody knew. Who knew that murder was so <laughs> compelling? Mm-hmm. What about you, Small Wonders? Ah, shoot. You really got me off guard there. Uh-huh. Uh, beef jerky. It's a topic of jokes on My Brother, My Brother, Me recently, and I don't really know why. I think it's just because I've sort of been more vocal about my love of this uh, dried up meat. But... Your brothers are not reliable narrators, because can I tell you what? I have, I have heard Justin McElroy say he doesn't like root beer, and I just like, I don't even know where to start with Yeah, that. I know. Me, I like a jerky float. Mm-hmm. That's a horrible <laughs> soup I make. That's a dance move, too. Yeah, it is. It mm-hmm. is. It is. It's like the flamenco. It's a lot like, I add flamenco elements to it. But there's more knees. I'm not sure I know what flamenco dancing actually is. Well, I mean, you know they're snapping. It's too late now. <laughs> I go first this week. Okay. I had a hard time thinking of a thing. Folks, let's, let's as long as we're being vocal about stuff. Sometimes it's hard to think about a thing to talk about on the show, which is not to say that uh, there's a a dearth of good things in the world or that I am not thankful for those good things. That's not true. But if we're going to fill a good seven to eight minutes of podcast with something that's going to be fascinating and true and powerful. There are so many good things I have thought of, researched and realized that I can't talk about this for more than two minutes. Cannot. Just can't do it. Mm -hmm. I had one today. I can't remember what it was, but I was like working on it. Oh, it was to-do lists. I was like going to do a thing on Trello because I, I like Trello a lot. It's a piece of software that helps you keep, stay on track with things. But then I was like, that's boring as hell. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> one of the things I'm bringing, this thing, my first thing, is incredibly like 
personal, nobody else is going to be able to, well, very few people are probably going to be able to relate to it, but... Is it being in love with Rachel McElroy? It's being in love with Rachel. And being married to her and having a child with her? Yes. What's your first thing? (laughs) No, I I was trying, I mean, I am, but I I was, uh, yeah, so like I was, you know, struggling and then I was like, well, what am I into lately? And then the answer to that was, you know, what I've spent the last couple weeks doing, uh, which is writing a theme song for the new season of Adventure Zone. And so my first thing is, is writing a theme song for a thing. Writing a theme song for a thing, and again, okay. not super relatable, but I thought maybe I'd share it's my not perspective. Even just writing music. Writing music's great, right? Mm. Writing specifically soundtrack music is great. I, I do not know where I would start writing non-soundtrack music. Like, I need that jumping off point of, you know, here's a, here's a stressful scene with spooky stuff in it. Okay, well, then let's write some stuff around that. But writing a theme song in particular has its own set of like constraints and challenges that makes the process of like figuring it out like this musical puzzle. And it's so freaking satisfying to like chip away at that puzzle until you come up with something that like fits this myriad list of requirements. Um, when you're doing this, are you like listening to other theme songs? Do you like pull up Happy Days and like spend a lot of time? Uh, like, I start with to Happy, Happy Days? Days every time because that's a uh, Mondays, Tuesdays, Happy Days, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and I think that's hey, you know going. what? Actually, that's the worst. Theme. <laughs> that's the worst theme song ever. Okay, the show is called Happy Days, Can you, and I need something. Uh, oh shit! Three minutes from now. Okay, what are the days? Um, Monday, Tuesday, Rob's Day. No, that's not one of them. Shit. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I listen to some, uh, if I'm trying to, so like one of the things that I have to write for is like the tone of the like story and the genre of the story, like both kind of necessitate their own sort of thing, right? And so when uh, one of the stories that we did on Adventure Zone was Dust, which was like this uh, supernatural like monster wild west inspired thing and so like trying to write a wild west song was like really hard especially when it had spooky gothic elements like those two things are very that's a weird needle to try and thread that's the kind of puzzle that i'm talking about is like having all these constraints yeah. not to mention like the usual stuff of like okay you know i've probably only got like 16 measures to really like make it stick and there should be like a lead in and a drop and there should be like a long tail that I can fade out over. But really I only have like a few lines here to like, you know, to make it, make it pop, make it happen. Yeah. I, I really have no idea how you do that. Like it's the same thing where in high school, some of my friends started taking private music lessons and they could like improvise. Can't do, I can't do that. But I mean, what you're doing I recognize it's not on the spot, right? It but takes you're two making weeks. like something out of nothing. Yeah, I, I usually I just need to find the first thing that like helps it. So like with that Wild West one, the theme song that came to mind was the Westworld uh, theme song, and I listened to that a lot. And really, the only thing I got from that is like spooky, drawn out minor key piano chords, like that's probably that's the backbone of it and then everything else kind of like fell in line so like it's like a snowball effect like once you figure out the first thing the new theme song i've been working on is like way more upbeat and fanciful and carefree than anything we've like done in the past and so like trying to write a happy adventurous playful proper 
mostly acoustic, like all of these different like keywords, like trying to write something that is fun and loose, but also kind of uh, adventurous and badass and actiony, like trying to make all those things come together yeah. into one thing is like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. I, I really don't want this whole segment to be like, check out how smart I am. Cause it's taken me, <laughs> it has taken me literally two weeks of just constantly shaving away at this thing to like come well, up with can a, I, um, can I share when you were writing music for your dad's, Oh Mark, my God! What he said to you the, that we found so funny—the miserable jag, the the note he gave me. <laughs> he he was asking Griffin to write some music for his uh, game that he was going to run, and he gave Griffin this particular note, which I found humorous. Go go ahead. Go ahead. Um, he asked Griffin if he could come up with something kind of John Williamsy, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Just real casual, just like, oh, you know, who, oh, who is it? Who is it? Oh, it's like the, maybe the most well-known composer <laughs> of, you know, soundtracks. Uh, yeah, be that. Just knock out some real Aaron Copeland <laughs> shit, like, and we need it by next week. So can you make that happen? Uh, no, not a joke, and I'm not going to put anybody on blast, but that note was also bandied about for this theme song. And I told them to literally eat shit. Did you learn nothing from dad's superhero? <laughs> I think it's a big compliment because it shows that they think you, someone with little to no musical training, right. could just <laughs> could produce that on your own. Yes, that's, that is fair. Uh, do cav- I got to put the caveat in that Justin did write the theme song to Taz Elementary. That wasn't that wasn't <laughs> me. He did that all on his own. He did a great job. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't listen to Adventure Zone, you can find them on SoundCloud if you just yeah. want to listen to music or whatever, which I haven't updated at all lately. But yeah, I just thought like, couldn't think of anything that w- I really wanted to like talk in depth about. And then I was like, well, what about the thing that I've been doing that I've been really, 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 really enjoying? No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Because I think a lot of times we try and think of something that's going to be more universal but mm-hmm. a lot of times the things you're most excited about are the things that are most interesting to other people and then like i'll take a break and i'll leave it for the day and then come back the next morning and listen with fresh ears and be like okay no 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 this part doesn't work this oh, part is this good is that just good. dogs singing christmas this carols is shit. how did i do it again <laughs> <laughs> uh hey what's your first thing i think my thing will be a little more relatable okay but pretty small okay the smell of an extinguished candle. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Is, is this the poetry corner? Because that hit me a little poetic. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, though. Oh, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. What is that smell? Is well, it salt? Well, I can tell you. Okay, I did a, okay. little, a little research. Now, is the research I did. <laughs> is it saltpeter? What's in and there? What, can you tell me what saltpeter is? Uh, no, I only know it from 1776. <laughs> saltpeter. John Pins, Abigail, <laughs> set down, John. Nope. Hey, I know what I'm talking about next Different week. Different song? Yeah. Well, I know. I'm doing a medley. Um, so I love the smell. Yeah. It's great because you get one smell with the candle, right? And then you go to put the candle out and then you get that other smell and you think birthday cake. Oh, is that where you go? That's where I go immediately. I say it smells like birthday cake because that that was my early exposure to candles <laughs> being blown out. Yeah, I'm just realizing that I have this chemical response in my brain anytime I do smell this smell where reflexively I go, did you just blow a candle out? Because the other option is our house is burning down. <laughs> I know. I know. You know, if our house was burning down, it wouldn't smell it like wouldn't that. It wouldn't smell like that. This is what our house would smell like post being burned down. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, so I did some research. I couldn't find a lot of sources on this, so I'm just going to say what I found okay. and assume that it's correct. What is a match? <laughs> did you please learn how matches are made? It has nothing to do with a match, Griff. Oh, I guess it's just a... It's a wick right. in some wax. Okay. Goes out. Right. a little smoke and the okay. smell. I guess I'm just assuming the match no. smell is the same smell. So when the candle burns, the wax starts to melt, but also the, the liquid wax rises up and vaporizes in the heat of the flame. Okay. So kind of what you're smelling isn't just the melted wax, but, you know, the melt, melted wax kind of rising up into the air like vapor. Okay. Um, is that not how its stink is traditionally transmitted? Well, I, I think some because you know how they make those little scentsy things that right. melt the wax and you plug into the wall. So I think maybe some people think it's just the hot. Oh, wax I see, I smells. see, I see. Uh, so when you blow out a candle, the top of the wick remains hot. It is still hot enough to vaporize wax and also continue reacting with the oxygen in the air. The blackened wick is effectively a piece of charcoal. So without an actual flame, most of the vaporized wax doesn't burn. Instead, it condenses in the colder air around the wick to form the first mist of tiny liquid wax droplets and then solid particles. So the smoke that you see is primarily unburned wax particles. Wow. There are little tiny translucent spheres that float around like dust particles. They have a strong smell that most of us find irritating. Not true. No, what? Not true at all. Who's it? <laughs> monster is like, oh God, this candle smells so good, but the last thing I want to do is blow it out and smell that irritating smell. A lot of people apparently get annoyed at the the black smoke and the smell associated with it. I personally like it. It just that's the you know that's the cigarette after candle coitus. It, <laughs> that's so horrible. Although what? Yeah, yeah. What would a yeah coitus? For candles scented look like? Can, no. Oh, oh. A coitus okay. scented candle. You want me to answer this, baby? I don't know if I do. No, I don't want you to have asked it, but here we are. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> um, I just couldn't, I mean, something about the word, the phrase coitus candle like, mm. really did something for me. Yeah. And now I'm deciding if I want to explore it, and I think I don't. Well, we can, to. there's lots of time for us to talk when we're not recording our okay. voices for other okay, people. Okay, we'll uh, so when I was researching this, I found a lot of guidance on uh, extinguishing a candle. Ooh, how to do it cool and sexy? <laughs> well, how to do it to like preserve the life of your candle. Oh. Uh, <coughs> this is not going to be especially interesting, but I found it kind of interesting. Okay. How should I be extinguishing my candle? How have I been doing it wrong? Well, first of all, if you blow out a candle before the entire surface is melted, what will happen is that you'll create a tunnel. Oh, no. Do you know how sometimes, like, if you blow out a candle, it just goes further down into the candle when yeah. it melts? Like, it continues to melt in that reservoir? Oh, I hate that. So you got to let the whole top burn. In fact, I saw that you are supposed to let a candle burn for at least one hour per inch of container diameter. So if you bought a new candle that is three inches in diameter, you should burn your candle for at least three hours, <gasps> though not more than four hours at a time. Wait, hold on. My candle's five <laughs> inches in diameter. What the fuck? Am I just up shit creek? I, well, I don't think you see a lot of candles five inches in diameter. Maybe for that reason. Hmm. They would have to be a multiple wick situation, wouldn't they? They would. Ooh, now we're talking. <laughs> How many wicks per square inch diameter of the circular <laughs> candle? Um. So a lot of the things I said don't... A lot of the things I read said don't blow out a candle. And they the reason they gave is that you would 
potentially spray wax out. Done it. When you blew out the candle. Done it. You have? Powerful lips. Ooh. <laughs> uh, that has never happened to me. I did not think that was an especially common thing. and did well, not seem like a good reason to me. You're having a, fri- a fight and or, or a fright. Mm-hmm. You're having a fight with a friend, or you've had you a just, fright with a skeleton, and you <laughs> go aggressively, like, and you go to camp. Release, not today, Derek. And yeah. the wax is all over my my coffee table. But that's why we need these little brass cups, like a little gentleman would use, <laughs> with the long sticks, a, a snuffer, can, a snuffer, mm-hmm. just a little. I did read a lot about snuffers. I mean, I didn't like learn the history of the snuffer, but yeah. a lot of the sites I read recommended a snuffer. That's that's fucking wild. I read another piece of advice that said, use the tip of a screwdriver to dip the wick in the wax to extinguish. Then no. use it to straighten the wick out for the next burn. Oh, that's a lot of business. Yeah, I know. I thought so too. That's like you a just lot have a screwdriver out next to your candle all the time? Yeah, I'm going to put that third <laughs> behind blowing it out and having a snuffer. <laughs> Because that's wild. If you are having a dinner party and you're like, oh, yeah, thanks for coming, guys. Yeah, I should put out these candles. Hold on. Let me get uh, my toolbox out. Now I'm going to stab it. No, (laughs) hold on. I got to fish this little sucker out of there. Please don't leave yet. I also read about how if you don't trim your your wick, there's problems associated with that, too. But I decided it wasn't really related um, because what we're talking about today is how great the smell of candles are. How good candles are. Mm Mm-hmm. Let's get ourselves a snuffer, baby. Let's live that good life. And then it can also be yeah. a little tiny hat for a cactus. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, babe. What's it like in there? I wish I could jump in there, jump in that brain space and live in its folds for a bit. What would I see, do you think? All kinds of wonderful new shapes. It's a little bit like Ariel combing her hair with a fork. You know, there's oh. a lot of that in there. You think about Ariel combing her hair with a no, fork. No, I think about how something could be used for something else that would be potentially more adorable. Well, okay, let's de- let's let's explore that. All right, that's let's not go. Fun. that's not Ariel's fault. That's let's that go. fucking bird's oh, fault. I thought you were gonna. I thought you were gonna. Give me a challenge. Oh no. I got really excited. No, I'm about gonna... to I'm about to shit on this pelican. Because like or what was he? What was that bird? That shithead bird that was like, oh, this is a not... seagull. Babe. Yeah, I forgot my birds for a second. But listen, let's focus on that fucking seagull for a second. It's not Ariel's fault that she's brushing her hair with a fork because she doesn't know anything she's a fish. And this bird comes around and is like, Oh, that's not a fork. That's a that's a comb for your hair. He he should know better, and if he doesn't, he should keep his fucking beak shut. Because he's going to make her look like an asshole when Prince Eric's like, why are you doing that? I mean, he's just mansplaining, Griffin. He's you know birds, that, right? He's birdsplaining, and I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can I steal you away? You better, because I'm so PO'd right now. <laughs> Griffin? Yeah. You know what's a shame? What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true, because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) Is Factor. 
These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh, your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um th- for the commercial the Super Bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain hey can I read you a personal message yeah this is for Austin it is from Esther Hello, love. By the time you hear this, we will both be in the thick of new jobs and internships. I am so proud of you, and I'm so excited to watch you grow into an even more wonderful counselor. Thank you for always loving and supporting me and for making even the most stressful days better. Every day is better because I'm with you. That is (sighs) nourishing. That's darling nourishing is yeah. the I feel like I got vitamins out of that one. <laughs> I feel like I got vitamins and minerals out of that one. I got E and zinc. Thank you, Esther and Austin for your love. It's made me strong. This is a message for Doris and here's uh you know who it's from is Bay. <laughs> and Bay says to Doris, first Hamilton and now this? Guess I'm just good at winning drawings to buy things. I wanted to say I love you and that you're one of the many wonderful things in my life. Thanks for your friendship, my cat, and for harassing me nonstop until I finally listened to Taz and got just as obsessed with McElroy content as you. You're a cool gal and a great friend. Wow. That's a lot of good things. Hamilton tickets. Yeah, it sounds like I've Bay never known is anybody crushing that it. like won that won that the lottery. Yeah. I thought it was all and don't tell him I said this. I thought it was all a hoax. <laughs> and it was staged and the people they said won were just people in the cast who got all excited oh. in the crowd. Cuz think about it. They 
they must be taking a bath on that. <laughs> and so you'd see like Jonathan Groff in a big mustache and you'd be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, oh, my wife's going to love this one. I'm a winner. Uh, just, I'm just saying people run the numbers on it. <laughs> Add the math. That's not what people say. <sighs> There's nothing quite like sailing in the calm international waters on my ship, the SS Biopic. Avast! It's actually pronounced biopic. No, you dingus! It's biopic! Who the hell says that? It's biopic! Because it's the, the words word for biography and picture. You... Alright, that is enough! Ahoy! I'm Dave Holmes. I am the host of the rebooted podcast formerly known as International Waters, designed to resolve petty but persistent arguments like this. How? By pitting two teams of opinionated comedians against each other with trivia and improv games, of course. Winner takes home the right to be right. What podcast be this? It's called Troubled Waters, where we disagree to disagree! Can I hear your second thing? My second thing is... And you're probably going to tell that I've been locked to my computer uh, writing music for the last two weeks. Because my second thing is desktop backgrounds. <laughs> I I like a good desktop background. And for as long as I have been a computer or like hardware with a screen user that you can customize that shit, I take great pride in customizing that shit and I make a big deal out of having it just right because this is a picture you look at or a you know a nice you know gradient that you can look at uh you know a lot of the time I look at pictures on my desktop background more than I look at any other pictures so you gotta make it good I don't know what's up there right now. Can you? Right now, it's just one of the Apple. Apple has a gradient that changes colors as the day progresses, and it's supposed to simulate like sunlight, and it's really nice. Oh, that's kind of sad, though, a little bit. Huh? It's a little bit sad. If I didn't have this uh, also door behind me letting in beautiful sunlight from yeah. the outside, it would be a, it would be a real shame. But I like looking at that. It's nice. It's soothing mm-hmm. on the eyes. But on my, I just got the new the new iPhone with the preposterous camera on it because I like taking pictures of our child that we have and I took a really good picture of him down at the thinkery and put it as my desktop background and or my my, you know my phone wallpaper and it just makes me so happy to see it and I like that we have all this stuff that we have to interact with all the time you know that's whatever but every time I pick up my phone to see what time it is or to check my text that I just got or whatever there's my there's my there's my boy in a nice yeah. picture I took. And I like that I can swap that out if I get bored of that picture because he's, you know, you know, <laughs> being a real stinker or something. That's awful. I'm making it sound like on a day where he is not behaving well. I'm I, changing my I'm, phone. Well, I'm removing <laughs> you from the lineup. Uh, You're back in business, Sonic. <laughs> and then like you can get like Apple has all kinds of cool like uh, when you unlock my phone and you get into it then there's like a neat little gentle background with these soft lights that move around in the background behind all my apps I like that I like that you can customize that and I, yeah. I love it I had a Zune I was an early Zune adopter and this is when I was going through my Jackson Pollock phase so I had Jackson Pollock backgrounds on everything including my Zune Jackson Pollock sure phase. sure dude made a great Zune background so <laughs> And that made me feel erudite every time I looked at all of my, you know, songs that I was into back then. I could look at my Jackson Pollock art and feel good about it. 
I just like that. This is. I actually did something similar at my work computer. I took a piece of art that I kind of wanted to buy but didn't want to pay for and just made it as my desktop background. Love it. So I get to see it every day. That's it. Um, So I was looking into the history of uh, desktop backgrounds, of computer wallpapers. Uh, I'm lumping in phone stuff too, but this was sort of the origins of it was uh, there was a an operating system, early operating system in 1985 called X-Window uh, that was like, a, you know, pre-Windows. So it was very patchwork and you just had to like do all the, the UI shit yourselves. Uh, and they had uh, a program for it where you could set a an image as your background. This was in 1985. The image did have to be a solid color or a binary image x bitmap file so i can't imagine that that is the most high def image around uh, but then four years later the x window pr- uh, operating system updated and they started letting you use more and more image formats i learned a lot about old image formats today uh and then like pretty much in the the 90s the the world was your oyster windows 1990 dropped out windows 3.0 of course and they were like do whatever y'all get w- put whatever the fuck you want on this desktop background that's also where they started to use the term wallpaper to describe it they were the ones who coined that uh and in 1990 windows 3.0 only worked with 8-bit color uh bmp files which looked like uh absolute garbage this took me on a fucking trip trying to remember all of the like really really old desktop backgrounds we had on like my computer growing up at home justin installed a bin folds 5 like skin on the computer that would change the icons to stuff and the desktop mm-hmm. background was like a album art i had one of those for peewee's playhouse and, and it also had like the error noises were switched out yeah. so i'd play uh-huh. like little clips from uh i remember there was uh from i forget which song it is uh, fighting the, the battle of who could care less. There's a bit where he says, "Oh well, maybe not. Try again." That was like if you, that was the error message. So if like a thing crashed, you would hear that. And now that part really annoys me actually because it made me think of all the times that EverQuest crashed on me. Wow, I just went on a whole thing there by myself. Uh, and then Macintosh started out with those. You ever see like a? I don't know if you had a, a Mac or knew anybody who had like an old old Mac, but it was I had that eight by eight like pixel patterns of just like black and white diamonds and it was all like very grayscale like patterns of stuff Um, i mean this could lead us down the path of screensavers but i know that's oh no that's a whole nother thing i could go on and on about that pipe screensaver which was Mm -hmm. on like every school computer i grew up with (laughs) um now what is the most common and most famous desktop background. When I say you walk up to a computer, say at a school, and it's new, and it's uh, you you turn it on, and it's like nowadays, uh, or you know, aughts, sometime in the aughts, you turn on the computer. What do you see on that desktop background? Describe to me the image. Close your eyes. Go on this visual journey. So it's not a solid color. Not a solid color. It's okay. an image from Windows XP on. It was Is introduced it like in a, Windows XP. A leaf or a flower? No, it isn't. It's a field. A field of green, green grass beneath the bluest sky you've yeah, ever yeah, seen. Yeah. I learned about this image today. This image is called Bliss, which is very nice. That's the name of the desktop background. It is the most observed image on Earth. Uh, and it was introduced in Windows XP. It's just a picture of some nice ass grass on a field under a beautiful blue yeah, cloudy no, sky. I know what you're talking about now. Uh, you, you see it and you think, oh, ah. Uh, 
here I go on a journey to the Napa Sonoma, Sonoma County line. Just looking at this, that's where the photo was taken. It was taken by a dude named Charles O'Rear. This freaked me out because I was like, Whoa, oh, yeah, I guess like somebody, real... t- somebody took it, I guess. Oh, I always assumed it was like totally computer generated. No, this was, this was Windows XP. This was like the year, what, 2000 or something? They didn't have that kind of technology. This is a real photo taken by a dude. Wow. And there was an interview with him I was reading, I forget where, where he was like talking about how you know you you see a picture of a computer lab in north korea and like there's the photo i took back in 1998 uh 1998 charles o'rear was uh driving back from visiting his girlfriend now wife uh he was in the napa sonoma county line and he just passed this big open field between these vineyards and he was like oh that looks nice and he took the picture sold it to a stock images company that stock images company was owned by Bill Gates, and when they were trying to release Windows XP, uh, this was the image that they chose to demonstrate the raw power of this new operating system. So they're like, we'll buy it for six figures, send us the original. But no uh, shipping company would insure a six uh, oh. $600 or whatever, uh, a six-digit amount uh photo purchased by bill gates and so they had to fly him out like with him holding this image the whole time his, <laughs> his brittle brittle hands uh and yeah i thought that was an interesting I love story the idea of him see i am anything assuming... to drink sir no i don't fucking want any please get those liquids away we're assuming he's on a commercial flight which i think is cute but i also like the idea of somebody next to him being like oh it's a cool photo don't look at it don't look at it achoo no <laughs> This is for Bill. If you look on every desktop background of Bliss, you'll see a little bit little of sneeze. little sneeze juice. <laughs> uh, what's your second thing? My second thing is a long-awaited return to the poetry oh corner. Oh, my God. Th- I feel like I can breathe again. What? <laughs> Are you going to do my song? Oh, yeah. Waiting for tonight. <laughs> Whoa. I've wanted poetry corner so long. Waiting for tonight. A little different than what I'm used to, but I, I mean, I like it. It's been so long, I don't remember what I usually did. I thought it was waiting for tonight. Usually it's a little jazzier. And there is actually snapping. Oh. But well, you've already gotten your theme song out of me. Oh, I don't okay. Is that it? Is that yeah. what I get? Okay. Well, that's the thing. I love writing theme songs, but it's so exhausting. Mm, I know. Uh, the poet I am bringing to this episode is Michael Palmer. <laughs> I don't know that one. I really have thought about doing E.E. E. Cummings just to like go. <laughs> that would be the worst audio poem ever. Well, and to go head to head with you. you yeah. Know, just like you sharing your E.E. E. Cummings knowledge and me just sharing mine. And I feel like I can walk down that path in my mind. Like I can I can play that chess game out like 60 moves ahead and it's going to end with your fart I carried in my fart. And I don't want to go there. <laughs> and I don't want to take you there. Uh, Okay, Michael Palmer, Um, born in New York. Uh, He's 76 years old currently. He came up um, learning about poetry during the confessional movement, which was like Sylvia Plath, Anne Sexton, Robert Lowell, all the poets that are writing these like very personal, emotional poems. And he kind of went against that. He was really influenced early by Robert Creeley, uh, Robert Duncan, these these poets who were more interested in experimentation than in emotion. 
Um, and so he's often associated with language poetry, which I've talked about on this group before. So Charles Bernstein is a poet I've talked right. about on um, Poetry Corner before. Uh, and I thought this description was really appropriate. Uh, it says, uh, Palmer's work confronts notions of representation and habits of language and examines the space through which poetry acts. So the idea is less about like, I'm going to tell you this personal story about, you know, how terrible I'm feeling and more about like, I'm going to, you know, kind of play with your sense of language and how sentences are constructed, which I find really interesting. I don't know if this is the kind of thing where you have to already like poetry before this will appeal to you. Yeah. Or if you can just start day one with this guy, but he's somebody I got to see read at University of Chicago University of Chicago had this great poetry series called Poem Present. And they would bring in somebody every month, if not twice a month, to read poetry and talk wow. about their book. God. Uh, and so it was just a tremendous education for me. And he was one of the poets that came in. Uh, he's a real impressive guy, not just because he is a great poet, but he's also collaborated with dance companies and visual artists and composers. I couldn't really figure out how this was happening. My sense is that he is writing and they are performing. In front of him while he writes. And he's like, this is great. <laughs> this is great stuff. <laughs> that dance makes me think of a new fun word. <laughs> um, he's also won a lot of awards and grants. He's received two grants from the National Endowment for the Arts, a Wallace Stevens Award for the from the Academy of American Poets. Uh, and then from 1999 to 2004, he served as a chancellor of the Academy of American Poets. Uh, he currently lives in San Francisco. And uh, I wanted to read one of his poems. Yeah, please. This is called The Village of Reason. This is a glove or a book from a book club. This is the sun or a layer of mud. This is Monday. This is an altered word. This is the village of reason, and this is an eye torn out. This is the father or a number on a chart. This is a substitute. This is the thing you are. This is the varnished picture or else an accepted response. This is the door, and this is the word for door. This is a reflex caused by falling, and this is a prisoner with an orange. This is a name you know, and this is the poison to make you well. This is the mechanism, and this is the shadow of a bridge. This is a curve, and this is its thirst. This is Monday. This is her damaged word. This is the trace, and this the term unmarked. This is the sonnet, and this is the burning house. You are in this play. You are in its landscape. This is an assumption, the length of an arm. This is a poppy. This is an epilogue. That was hypnotizing. <laughs> I feel like you j- I've just been activated. I'm not joking. I was like sitting here like, uh, okay, but what's that? Okay, but how did the- <laughs> It reminded me of like song lyrics from like a like a 90s uh-huh. weird like a like if this was a, the lyrics to like a REM or like a they might be giants song, like I would not be surprised by it. Yeah, I don't usually bring poetry that's that abstract um or inaccessible but i f- i find it really powerful cuz i feel like you forget 
that you have total control over the words you use and you can use them in any context and right. you can say it any way you want to. And that poem really reminds me of it, of he's just creating things. You know, he's just like conjuring these images like a magician. Yeah. Just like, oh, hey, this is an orange. I just made it. It is wild to think about that. Like, <laughs> if you were to say, like, try and think of two words, you have one second to think of two words together that have never been used before. And my mind immediately, like, I was trying to do that, and I came up with monster truck. <laughs> That's a thing. That's a thing. You do it now. You have one second. Say it. Uh, yellow tambourine. That sounds like yellow submarine. I know. I feel like that's how you got there. <laughs> I mean, typically poets aren't <laughs> doing it under that kind of duress. <laughs> that's a fair point. I don't imagine that, that you know, one of these composers was standing over him like, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep yeah. going. <laughs> you got to watch a badass visual artist to get some wild thoughts like mm -hmm. that. Got to get some some visual artists up here in the studio. What would they do? Visual art. Just while we were recording her uh -huh. podcast? This oh. man is covered in paint. Okay. Now here comes a new joke. <laughs> a new kind of joke you never heard before. <laughs> well, look at that dance crew outside on our front lawn. <laughs> I'm going to say something smart no one's ever said before. It's so inspiring. See, I can't even say I can't make that shit up because we don't have the visual artists. We no, don't have the true. dance crew. <sighs> Show so we're on a shoestring budget here, folks. If you know any visual artists who will work for for peanuts, hit us up. I'm more concerned that they would paint in reaction to what we were saying. Oh, we don't want that. And that makes me uncomfortable. I have submissions here. This one is from Emma, who says, My wonderful thing is the Duolingo app. I think it's just so cool that anyone can learn a new lang language for free if they have a smart device. Oh, gosh. I get in moods, right, when I'm like, I, I have nothing to play on my phone. I got so much time to kill. Wouldn't it be nice to do something productive? And I'll yeah. jump into Duolingo and I'll be like, hey, it's been a year and a half. Do you remember any of these uh, Japanese katakana? And I'll be like, oh, no, I don't. Bye. I did Spanish for a while and I got pretty far. Right. And then I just, and then it was all gone, you know? Yeah. From Spanish is weird for me because I, I studied it for like, God, seven years in high school and college, and I am fairly like I know what people are saying, and I am completely incapable of speaking it, which makes like trying to relearn it so frustrating. Yeah, they they need to teach foreign language in a way that makes you a less anxious person because I feel the same way. I went to France and I took French in high school and I did fairly well, and I could hear people saying things and I could think of the words that I was supposed to say yes. back, but I was terrified to say them. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Yes. What they should do is, like when we were going to Japan for our honeymoon, I knew that the language barrier would be pretty significant in certain places, and we'd be in a lot of trouble if we couldn't communicate some basic ideas. That's what they got to do to you in high school, is just like, you have two, this class is for six weeks, and then we're just going to like go, you know, drop you in, you know, across the, the Atlantic Ocean somewhere, and then it's on you at that point. Yeah. Good luck. Uh, here's another one. This one's from Colton who says, my wonderful thing this week is Little Caesar's Pizza. It's not fancy, but for $5, it's a great tasty dinner, especially while watching The Voice on the cable I steal from my parents. Big aesthetic. <laughs> huge aesthetic on Colton. It's a whole story right there. It's a that, whole story. one submission. And it's a story. Is it a story or is it a memory? Oh boy, Colton. Taking me back. Do you remember your first introduction 
to hot and ready. So, I mean, hot and ready wasn't invented till I was like in college. Right. But then like once it was introduced, I was hard pressed to eat anything else. No, no. This stinky, spicy, garlicky pizza. I'll, I'll go to bat for Little Caesars Pizza. Those $5 hot and ready's, they got something going on where it's not good pizza, but it is like viciously flavorful. That's, That's true. It's like dusted with like Doritos Locos dust yeah, or something like that. you eat it and you think, I am eating something. I am eating something. <laughs> and you can crush it. Like I am, uh, I can't eat more than two slices of pizza, right? My, my That's about how much my tum-tum can fit inside of it. And then my tum-tum's like, you're going to be sick. Stop. No room for three. I can crush like half of a Little Caesars pizza in one sitting. And it's $5? You're in college? <laughs> like you can really spread that out. That can be lunch and dinner for two days if you're smart about it. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and it's only one trip out of the house? Damn Little Caesars. <laughs> I want to crush a Little Caesars $5 hot and ready. Not me. This is this is going to be Griffin's journey. I'm debating because it's going to make me feel so bad. Yeah. But I do want it so bad. See, I associate it with a sad time in my life. I'd oh. rather not. I'd rather not go there. Yeah, I think for me it was just like my fun years in college, and then uh, I've done it. I did it a couple times here in Austin. I remember we told some friends we were going to get them pizza if they helped us move, and then a lot of them showed up, uh, and so we did get a nice couple of pizzas. And then we did like fill in the gaps with some extra $5 hot and ready's. And guess what? People went crazy for the $5 hot and ready's because they're not special. This is turning into my third segment. <laughs> Thank you so much to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. And uh, you can go to MaximumFun.org for all kinds of great quality comedy programming. Yeah, like Switchblade Sisters and Minority Corner and... Story Break. Story Break. Mission to Zix. Yes, sir. All of them at MaximumFun.org. We got other stuff, too, at Family, don't we? Yeah, I mean, you, there's there's merchandise, there's video content, there's information about shows, tours. Shows, yeah. Got episodes. An, yeah. Got some shows coming up. I don't know if there's tickets available, because I don't go to my own website. That's a little too highfalutin for my taste. <laughs> I don't. I want that traffic number to be exactly accurate. I do not want to be accused of padding it by visiting the site. Oh, the little counter at the bottom? Yeah, we have the counter at the bottom. This is a new age website, people. It's got the counter at the bottom. <laughs> it's got the little guy with the hard hat chipping away at the bottom of the webpage oh, as if to say, we're good. working on it, folks. That's good. It's got fun songs. Mm-hmm. It's got fun songs by the All-American Rejects on it. Mm-hmm. I love this website. And you're going to love this outro. Goodbye. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. I listen to Reading Glasses because Bria and Mallory have great tips. My suggestion for book festivals is just go for one day. I listen for the author interviews. I was a huge Goosebumps fan. Oh, yes. (laughs) R.L. Stein was totally my jam. 
I don't even read. I just like their chemistry together. Literally, if on the bag it said, like, this book made me shit my pants, I'd be like, that's, I'm buying this book. Yeah. Like, like, I think the problem with blurbs a lot of times. I like that we both want to crap ourselves <laughs> over books. I'm Bria Grant. And I'm Mallory O'Mara. We're Reading Glasses, and we solve all your bookish problems. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. Maximum Fun.